Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Well, hello, everyone. I'm Scott. And I'm Maddie. And welcome back to the Harder Way Podcast. Hey, let's continue our discussion from last week because you brought up something really important, which was about this uh, this German taxi driver who had left uh, Iran. I want to say Persia. He <laughs> left Iran uh, as uh, uh, as a Christian mm-hmm. and uh, was looking for more religious freedom in Germany. And he's experiencing religious oppression because he has a sticker in the back of his window that says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the government has fined him and told him, remove the sticker or you're going to lose your taxi license because this is illegal. Unlawful religious advertising. Unlawful religious advertising. Okay. And as they say in German, das ist nicht gut. Das ist sehr schlecht. (laughs) And that kind of led us into this concept that we want to talk about in this week's podcast is what it's like for people who come from a country where they're experiencing pretty severe persecution, right? And very severe restriction. Uh, And remember we talked last week about that pinner scale, right? That persecution can be something as small as someone just having bad feelings about you or judging you all the way up to martyrdom. Right. And so we want to talk about what it's like for people who are coming from places where that persecution is on that more extreme end, coming to Europe, coming to America, coming to Canada. You know, we could kind of say coming to, but we'll say the free world. I don't know if that's offensive to say that, the free world. We'll, we'll call it majority world. Okay. Coming to the majority no, world. No, sorry. The majority world refers to the world, the yeah. third world. That's the wrong term. Yeah. Yeah. But either way, coming to these countries and really thinking and expecting and hoping that they're going to experience great freedom, great ability to live out their faith, passionate form of Christianity amongst the believers that are here because they're free, and what's kind of going on for them when they don't see that. You know, in the early, early, very early 90s in uh, Sacramento, where we lived, there was a radio station that broadcasted, had broadcasted for decades into the Soviet Union in Russian language. And so when the Iron Curtain came down and they began to really start letting people out of the country, they told the Christians, you can leave if you want. Mm-hmm. And thousands, tens of thousands of Christians, Russian and then and also Ukrainian, they're like, yeah, well, that sounds great. We're out of here. Well, you're going to a foreign country. You know, there were very few Russian immigrants prior to that, Russian-speaking immigrants prior to that coming down. They, yeah. you know, a lot there of really it, hadn't been any that had come since like Ellis Island pre World War One kind of days. Well, yeah, I worked at I was working in Army intelligence and was a you know we we did spying against the Soviets and in my entire lifetime before the 1990s, I'd met two Russians, one wow. spy and one guy on an airplane I was sitting next to, an old guy. That was yeah, it. That's it. We didn't have that, you know, it was very mysterious and far away. So they start coming in in droves. Well, 
you'll if you you'll notice in demographics that Sacramento is one of the largest Russian populations in the country. That's because like all Ukrainian. these and Ukrainian, Actually. all these Christians were like, "Hey, I don't know where to go in America, but I know a guy in Sacramento." I like, I know a guy because, you know, you hear him on the radio because this was a radio broadcast that was able to actually get into. Yeah. I think it was, it was uh -huh. back on Radio Free America or one of, okay. it was, or was on short band radio. But anyway, he got it in there some, uh, somehow. And we've been hearing they were showing up in the, in the hundreds a day to the studio, to the studio. They oh, like tracking him down. I would hey, love to have been there here. for this. <laughs> Oh yeah, and so we have the founders of our of our Bible courier ministry were actually taking people in during that time period because they were associated with this guy. They, they were the ones that told me about this. Okay, they said yeah. they said yeah, they were they were just coming and coming and coming and coming, and they wow. they didn't know where else to go, and they were they were starting a new life. So we see a lot of <sighs> Russian speaking churches with you know Romanian and Romanian speaking churches that were and Ukrainian churches and Moldovan churches mm -hmm. who were all popping up like and like crazy in, in the Sacramento area. And also our schools were greatly impacted. So we saw we had a couple of things happen. Number one, you know, at schools a lot of time, and back then we could bring snacks from home to school. You can't do it anymore, but you could make cupcakes at home or whatever. Yeah. So you would have a party at school for an old part of American culture. We have a party at school. We bring in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. If it's a kid's birthday or it's a holiday or something. Exactly. And we would we would do that. And what we would experience was these kids would they were really marked by having had so little in their countries. And mm -hmm. so they would they eat a cupcake and then they would start looking for other extras. Can I stash them? Because it was like a big deal. They were, they were, it was ingrained in them to bring food home to the family. Yes. Right. And you remember some of the students that you were in school mm -hmm. with, right? And we'd have those big parties at school and then they would just have, they would have like a bag full of food. They were loading up. They wouldn't yep. eat anything in class even. And we would tell them, no, there's plenty. You can eat some now. <laughs> Another problem we have was like the candy jar at the doctor's office or someplace, right? The people from Russia would come in and they would see this candy jar and it's, you know, it was like, take one. And they would like, grab the bowl and just dump the whole bowl in their purse because yeah. that's how they were, their culture was different. Right. And, you know, when you come from having so little, this idea that there's just this stuff here that you can have and you can bring it to your family and you don't have to pay for it. Like, that's crazy. Right. Yeah, it's something that they've never experienced before. So it's a, it's a learning curve. It was. You know, it was very. Different. You know, you got to learn a new culture and a new a new way of being. But right. and so there were also a lot of Russians that the Russian speaking people that came that were not Christians. Yeah. And so we found a group that came into our culture that changed it negatively. They were they were not good citizens and they were not good neighbors and they were not they were very criminally oriented, but the Christian Russian speaking people were. Just absolutely wonderful. And they were the they were the vast majority. But the sad time for me was when they would come here and the disappointment they would experience mm. when they didn't find a devout faith in our churches and they didn't find religious freedom in our schools. Yes. I think that it's so crazy because when you're coming from a place where you're experiencing restriction. And as a result, you're experiencing persecution. It costs you something, you know, in your homeland to be a Christian. Right. And in some cases, it costs you a lot up, up to potentially your life. Right. Right. You would assume that if you go to a place where you don't have consequences, that you would just see Christians 
thriving and just being so public and open about their faith and evangelizing. And I feel like if I were in that situation growing up in a very restrictive environment, I might kind of just assume that that's what it would be like in the free world. Well, and you think the majority of Americans who were going to the Eastern Bloc countries during the Cold War were Christians. They were missionaries. And specifically, they would have been kind of another caliber of missionary because they were missionaries who were willing to go into these countries when it was an oppor- basically a time when the missionaries themselves could have actually lost their lives or been imprisoned for going. Right. Right. So those Americans that these, you know, people from the Soviet Union would have come across would have been some of the most devout Christians. Right. Hardcore. Yeah. And so they go in and that's what the 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 Christians who immigrated here were expecting to find in America. Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of people that were like Bible courier types. Right. If we want to be honest. Hardcore, I mean, hardcore you know, <laughs> Christian types living a devout life. Yeah. And they didn't find that. So they had to start establish, they started establishing their own churches because they wanted to have an expression of faith that they were familiar with. Yeah. I remember one of our elders in our church, we had a, we had a church, Romanian Baptist church that was using our church frequently for a baptismal Vents services and, yeah. for the large events. Cause they were, yeah, they're meeting in another building. Baptismal services, maybe yeah. weddings or things, like, things that. like that. And the pastor, I was, or one of our elders was talking to a couple of their teenagers and he asked them, he said, you guys dress, you know, you dress very conservatively. You don't act like our, and, and they, and you, you know, you, or he didn't use the word conservatively, but he was commenting the fact that they were dressed respectively. And, and they looked at him and they said, we're Christians. How else would we dress? Mm. As if it would be ridiculous for him to assume that they would dress like average American in a, in a, in a risque way or yeah. in a, in a, yeah, a way that, you know, it's not considered uh, conservative mm-hmm. in its uh, approach. Yeah. So it was a very different, a different culture, but the, 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 going back to the Christmas time event, I remember that a lot of the kids, you know, when you don't have anything and maybe the only thing you can do is, is, is practice music or something. There were a lot of kids that came over where you had like an eight-year-old who could just tear up the violin, you know? Yeah. Or that's play, honestly create like a little, uh, a pet flute, or like a pan flute or, yeah. you know, and, and so they would, they would, I remember at Christmas time, they were all excited because they were all going to get to do special music, as was the cultural thing in their churches, to do special music, to be, to, for the first time in their life, they were going to do a, a Christmas pageant at Christmas time that included the creche and it included the manger story. It included, you know, scripture and all that. I mean, it was still that way when I was a kid. Yeah. So they were expecting that. Back in like Civil War era. Yeah. See, Garrett's. Yes. Let's see. What nation was having a civil war in the 70s? Anyway. A lot of them. Uh, there were quite a few. Sadly. It's not our Not something war. to laugh about, but yes. Yeah. But yeah, so they they were shocked and disappointed when they found. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was the ones that were going into the public schools. And this, if I can talk about this, and I'm just going to be warning any of our listeners I fully believe that every single person needs to do whatever it is that they feel convicted by God to do. I'm not saying this from a perspective of judgment or telling anybody what they need to do or not do. I am simply going to be relaying to you what was communicated to me 
and what I also just observed from people who had come from persecution in the Eastern Bloc countries and came to America and the ones that I was around, which was a lot. And this was this, that when the Christians first started coming over from the Eastern Bloc, they just put all of their kids into the public schools because they, a lot of them assumed that the American schools would be very free, that they would be even more Christian oriented because America has always been presented outwardly, especially to, to countries that weren't free, as like a Christian country. So they had a lot of assumptions about what public schools in America were going to be like. But it wasn't long until they realized that that was simply not the case. And so it very quickly got to a point where the vast majority of Christians from the Eastern Bloc who immigrated to the United States were either homeschooling or putting their children into Christian schools. So much so to the point where if you would speak to them, they would say, why would we ever put our children in a school that's run by the government when the government isn't Christian? I saw so many people who the parents were working multiple jobs. They lived in not great you know, conditions and not like they were living in tenements or something, but, you know, they had smaller homes and lots of people living in one house, all so that they could pay for their children right, so to be that, in a Christian school. Say that again, because we sacrificed a lot for you guys to go to Christian schools. Yes. And so that basically what I was saying was I saw people who were really sacrificing their convenience, sacrificing their lifestyle, sacrificing finances to send their kids to Christian school. They were working multiple jobs. They were living in houses that weren't as good and neighborhoods that weren't as good. Their lifestyles weren't ideal, if you want to use that yeah. word, because it was such a priority for them for their kids to be in Christian schools, because that was what mattered, was that they had the opportunity to send their kids to a place where they could learn about the Lord, where they could you know, where they could pray, where they could be uh, in a Christian environment where they were not going to be experiencing stuff that was just from the government, basically, in their eyes. What? Crazy. Because they, I think they recognized, I think they saw that, you know, state-sponsored indoctrination center footprint in, in the American schools, and they recognized it from where they'd been previously. What they had experienced. So let's together. stay on that. Those, those, those broken hearts and, and, and unmet expectations for a moment. When I was first starting my dissertation work, you know, one of the things you do is you have an idea of the, the kinds of questions you're going to ask. And then the set of questions you have is called an instrument. And so I, but you, you need to take your instrument and test it before you actually use it on a large scale. So I ran into a lady up at the farmer's market and she was Ukrainian and she was a pretty recent, she'd been in America for probably four or five years, but she was had been born and raised and lived during the Soviet uh, Soviet era. She was about my age, a little older. And so she, she had a frame of reference of what life was like under the, under the, in the Eastern Bloc and the Warsaw Pact nations. And so we were talking and, and I didn't find my instrument was useless. My questions were terrible. <laughs> and I, I threw the whole thing out besides like, what's your name? Yeah. I, I went out and changed my whole approach. Cause I, was it getting the information? So I found that most people don't know what they know. Mm. You just you need to pay attention to what they're talking about, and they'll tell you what you want to know. But if you it may not be it, the answer to their, but question. if you ask them the question, they're not going to give you a good answer. So 
I it, it was really kind of disappointed and frustrated, but didn't let that show. But I turned my microphone off. And before, after I turned my microphone off, I ordered a bunch of food from where she was making pierogies. The, these, not pierogies, the, the, the fried little meat things with the bread. Pierogies. Pierogies. Yeah. Oh, Pierogies are uh, Polish. Polish, yeah. And these, they're so, so good. And so I ordered a whole bunch of them and, and to say thank you. And she said, you know, before in Ukraine, it was Bible, 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 and Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We saw many miracles. Jesus was with us. Now it is work, 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 and money, money, money. We don't see miracles. Mm. And then she realized what she'd said, and she literally took her breath away. She was like, she realized it. Wow. And she just started stammering because she was trying to backtrack on it. And then she realized, I can't backtrack out of this. I just spoke real truth. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing to remember. Before, it was Jesus, 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 and Bible, 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 and we saw many miracles. You know, for those of you who've been on been on the mission field and you wonder, why don't we see very many miracles in America or it's so rare? And yet we go overseas and it seems like you pray for somebody and their leg grows back or, you know, whatever. Right, you're, right. You're like, you see, like you're seeing miracles around every corner. Right. You and, know. You know, and I, the, the, the thing is that the miracles are, 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 are it's, I think it's a consequence of of being in that intimate relationship with the Lord, and, and being in a state where you have to depend upon Him as your providential benefactor. That He's He's taking care of you and recognizing that. In America, we're like, Yeah, God, I, I'll see you on Sunday. I don't really need you. That's yeah. kind of the common culture. Even I'm not in, depending on you for my provision. I'm de- I'm really just dependent upon my job, or I'm dependent upon the government, or I'm dependent upon my savings, or you know whatever it is, my own ability to provide for myself. Well, we have you know theological debates. Do miracles still take place today? I remember I was in a you know this is decades ago. I was in a a, a meeting in Cuba with some so Cuban pastors, and I said to them, "Hey." What do you think? And they were, and they were of a denomination that doesn't believe that miracles are for today. And I asked them about that. I said, "What are your thoughts on that theological perspective?" And they looked at me and they laughed out loud, and they said, "Without miracles, we would be dead. Wow. We don't have the we don't have the the privilege of considering such things. We just know." We need Jesus, and he takes care of us. And then they started showing me things that had happened miraculously, like, you know, things that you, you know, it would just be sound almost ridiculous here, but miraculous things that happened and and telling me stories. I was like, okay, wow. (laughs) So I think that I think that is one of the shocking things that our folks who came to America and were looking for freedom and looking for something new, not only did they find, they, they found more freedom. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But I think they found freedom wasn't all it was cracked up to be, and that it came at a cost. Yeah. They're like, okay, everybody's free. Maybe not as free as we would have expected, but people are basically free, and yet we're not seeing passionate Christians. We're not seeing this a kind of a church environment that we experienced back home where everybody was so connected and close-knit and passionate about the Lord and drawing closer to Him. We're not seeing people, you know, evangelizing. We're not seeing these miracles. What's going on? Right. And I can only imagine how disheartening and upsetting 
that would be and how difficult it would be to kind of process through all of that. And it it makes you kind of understand. And we mentioned this, I believe, two podcasts ago, the Christians in China who pray for the American church to experience persecution mm. because of the revival and the purification and the growth in the church. And the maturity. That has all happened as a direct result of persecution. And the intimacy with the one we call Jesus that mm -hmm. comes through that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What a prayer, huh? I think that we, we need to look at our, our, our friends who've come over and who are looking for freedom. We need to, we need to learn from them. We need to ask them, what did you lose and what did you gain and was it worth it? Yeah. You know, I had a job right, uh, right out of the military and I was making 15 bucks an hour and that was really good money then. And I hated this job. It was just felt like torture. It was a graveyard shift. And I, and I'm one of those people that just can't work graveyards. My body did to not convert. And I had little kids at home and I, and I didn't, even if I could have converted, I did never had an opportunity to really sleep more than you know, like three hours. So I was a maniac. And I remember I, I got, I'd been in that job about a year and I was just like, I started noticing that I had this $15 an hour paycheck and I was starting to get $15 an hour bills. Mm. And I thought, I'm quitting this job before I have the bills to go with this paycheck and I can't quit. Wow. So I went in right then and quit. Came home. Surprise. <laughs> I quit. I'd rather work two jobs I don't mind to make money than to work with one job that I hate. Yeah. And the, the reason I say that is because when the, when the folks come to America, and they, you know, they had this perspective. Their lives were simple. Their lives were about get food, mm -hmm. practice your faith without getting thrown in prison or, or, you know, arrested or killed and try to survive. Yeah. It wasn't, we're going to watch a bunch of TV or we're going to do a bunch of other things. There wasn't, but what distractions? Where do I want to go for college? Hey, you're a Christian. You ain't going to college. What kind of career do I want to have? Hey, you're a Christian. You, you're going to be just trying to survive. You're not probably not going to get a job. You know, it, it's that kind of a situation. They come here. Wow, I've got a job. I can make money. I've got plenty of food. My belly's full. There's an abundance. And, uh, you know, and I have television shows to watch and places to go and people to hang out with. And I can go on vacation and I can get a first car, a second car, a third car, all of these things that I can do. And what have I lost? And I think by the time they realize what they've lost, they've now got those $15 an hour bills to go with their $15 an hour paycheck and they're stuck. Hmm. And I wonder if they look back and say, wow, things were worse, but they were better. I would think so. Yeah. We learned from the persecuted church that there could be great peace despite conflict. There could be great joy despite, despite suffering. And there could be great hope despite chaos, and there can be intimacy with Jesus despite suffering. That's a powerful truth and something that we should all be trying to understand more and live out in our own lives. All right. Well, we will join you next week for another episode of The Heart Away Podcast. See you guys next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Harder Way Podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform.
Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.